Welcome back to Let Freedom Reign Podcast, the official equine industry podcast of Day 6 Ranch. I'm your host, Jason Swick, and on this show, we discuss leadership, self-mastery, and discipleship from topics and perspectives exclusive to the equine industry. If you are looking to build a legacy-worthy lifestyle, we encourage you to visit day6ranch.com and explore our free content, other podcasts, and sign up for our monthly newsletter. We thank you for joining us on this adventure. Welcome again to another episode here at Let Freedom Reign Podcast. We had a really, really good first week back in that comeback episode with Ashley Maven. I want to thank everybody who has tuned in, subscribed to, and following the show. I'd like to give some quick updates on what we have going with Day 6 Ranch. First and foremost, I cannot believe that March is here, the year is flying by, and there's been plenty of solid work done thus far. I want to thank everybody who participated through Team Day 6 Ranch in the Taji 100 Challenge. For those that didn't participate or don't know what we're talking about, back in January we put out a fitness challenge through Day6Ranch.com in support of Taji 100 and Team Red, White, and Blue. This was a fitness challenge to cover 100 miles in the 28 days of February, starting with run, walk, and jog. Over the last almost 15 years now, Taji has grown tremendously in its following and its reach, and now includes several activities such as rowing, cycling, and swimming. So, for Team Day 6 Ranch, we had several finishers who I am very, very, very proud of. We had teammates that were throwing down huge mileage. I think we almost made it to 100, I think our top runner almost made it to 170 miles traveled in the 28 days of February, all running. We had a teammate throw down a 120-mile bike ride for his cycling equivalent to go towards his total mileage. An amazing, amazing effort by all of those who are involved. As the year progresses and opportunities present themselves, we'll put out a lot more community challenges geared towards leadership, self-mastery, and discipleship. This week on the show, we have Marsha and Bill Shearer from Whispering Grace Horses in Ohio. Now, Bill and I met a couple years back through another equine industry men's ministry, and I cannot thank Bill enough for pouring into Let Freedom Reign podcast and all that we have going with Day 6 Ranch. Whispering Grace Horses is an incredible resource that provides rescue to the equine, mentor, family, and individuals seeking to begin their restoration journey. Whispering Grace Horses is a faith-based program and provides all their services free of charge to their clients. Marsha and Bill have been amazing stewards of the opportunities God's presented in their lives. And in this episode, you will hear the amazing testimony as to how Whispering Graces got started, how it grew to Freedom Farms, and all that they do to serve their local community. And one more thing before we go. We have another podcast venture that's getting ready to launch. It's been almost two years in the making, and we are so excited to partner with such a phenomenal horseman, incredible mentor, and great friend of mine. Unfortunately, at this time, we are not at liberty to disclose what that adventure is, but keep an eye out on our Day 6 Ranch social media in the coming days to hear more on the launch of this great equine industry podcast. We hate to keep you all waiting any longer. Here is Marsha and Bill Shearer with Whispering Grace Horses. All right, we are here with Bill and Marsha Shearer from Whispering Grace Horses and Freedom Farm out in Ohio. I want to thank you guys very much for coming on the show today and uh, what's new around the farm? Well, first of all, Jason, uh, to be on a, on a podcast with, with Jason Zwick is an honor. It's an honor for us <laughs> to know what you've been through in your life, the situations you've been placed in. And, and uh, as we became a, a little more acquainted with each other, um, when we were asked uh, to be on uh, Let Freedom Reign, it, it was indeed an honor for Marsha and myself. So... I just want to put that out there, first of all. Well, I want to thank you guys very much for being involved with Left Freedom Rain, but more importantly, supporting me over the last couple of years after we got connected through the Legacy Group. Well, I'll tell you what, uh, you know, Whispering Grace Horses and Freedom Farm, here in, we're here in Ohio, we're in Maslin, Ohio, and, and they always say that the biggest football game, and I know people from Texas will argue this point. <laughs> Make here we go. Point, You're whatever. starting to throw. They'll, they'll say that the best football in America is played right here within a seven-mile radius between Canton McKinley and and uh, the Maslin Tigers. And it's, uh, you know, at, at that game uh, in September, there's probably about a 30,000 
uh, people crowd there and, and, uh, it's quite a rivalry. And, and I always tell people over here, you know, I coached it at Canton McKinley. And, and so, uh, being over here in Maslin now, I don't make that a big vocal point, but, uh, needless to say, the Maslin community here has embraced us and, and, uh, and just to clarify, when we're talking 30,000 people attending a football game, that's high school level football game, correct? That is high school football. And, and of course, you know that the uh, Professional Football Hall of Fame is located here uh, in Canton, Ohio. Yeah. Uh, and they just put an absolutely beautiful, beautiful stadium in. And now the it's going to be um, um, 180 degrees to the to the west. It's going to be what they call a Hall of Fame uh, village, and and uh, it's from everything from from uh, a brand new dome that's going up, not specifically for the stadium, but adjacent to the stadium, indoor facilities, and we've got about. Uh, I don't know, 20 uh, artificial turf fields surrounding the Tom Benson Stadium now. And and it's just it's it's a a mecca for for high school football. The UFF SFL had their uh, final uh, Super Bowl here. And and so the Division three had their final championship game here. And and so it's turning into a real um, real place to to settle in the state championship in Ohio are, are played here. The state championship swimming uh, meets are held here. Um, so it's, it's quite a, quite a position to be in. It's almost as good if you're a horse lover being in Texas, you know what I'm saying? I, I was just going to say for all that football, uh, there's quite an impact being made in the equine industry there through Whispering Grace horses. So why don't you guys just start with a little bit of the history, how it came to be? Cause I know you had plans of retiring, but the view of retirement has since changed with the formation of Whisper and Graces. Well, yeah, that's that's changed a little bit for both of us. And and uh, you know, I I had uh, uh, upon retirement uh, had been playing a lot of golf. I I I, I got kind of good at it and was playing uh, in a lot of tournaments and whatever. And and Marcia was still teaching and she teaches kindergarten and I was a school administrator here in, in, in Canton, a teacher and a coach. And, but to go back to the very, very beginning, um, you know what? I, I grew up with horses. Marsha grew up with horses. I grew up on a 180 acre, uh, farm in, in Navarre, Ohio. And my dad raced, uh, standard bred racehorses. And we, uh, we raced all over the country. And so, uh, as a young as a young guy, um, and the way the betting laws always were in across the country, uh, I could never really go over to the grandstand area and watch your horses race. Uh, I had to stay on the backside, and and uh, I got to, I got to talk with all the grooms and be with all the horses and the drivers and all that. I just ate it up. I loved it. And um, but as we uh, were done with our with our racing for a given week or whatever, we turned back to the farm. And my dad loved riding horses too. And and so uh, he uh, the story I always tell, you know, he uh, he got me a pony when I was five years old. Of course, I didn't know that he had had bought this pony for me. He told me to go down in the basement and get something on Christmas morning. And there was a pony uh, that was tied to our washing machine in the basement. And and uh, I was I ran up the stairs. I remember this like it was yesterday. To be honest with you, and and uh, I said, "There's a pony down here. I think this pony. <laughs> there's a pony. This pony must have got lost. He must have somehow got our doors open, and he tied himself to the washing machine." And and so they they let me go with that story for a while. And but I I uh, just continued to to love my my love for the horses. And and um, also my dad kind of had plans for me uh, to also be an athlete. And he thought we were pretty removed out on the farm. And so we we moved. We sold 180 acres and we moved. uh we moved inward uh, to a really, a really nice area of Stark County here in Ohio, and and we rented. Uh, my dad rented a, a a long barn at the at the Stark County Fairgrounds, and we were able to house some of our racehorses there. And then we got into to getting some riding horses, and uh, my dad probably bought some pretty good dinks for me to start riding on and and being safe on and and so uh as i became a little bit better on on top of a horse uh the horses got a little bit better and uh, by the time i was a a teenager and into my 
well, into my college years, we had some pretty good reining horses, cutting horses, fraternity horses in terms of quarter horses. And and uh, actually, it's where I met my wife. She also had quarter horses and and we'd kind of meet up. Her brother and I became good buddies and we traveled to Texas together and and bought some horses along the way. And and um, I guess uh, coming back and spending so much time at the horse shows um, with the Lee family, Marsha's brother's family, um, my gosh, um, I guess she just grew up. And uh, Marsha's, <laughs> Marsha's five years, five and a half years younger than me. <clears throat> and so um, needless to say, we got married. And, and uh, during that time, um, that, that aspiration of my dad being an athlete, I played football and baseball through college and had an opportunity to, to sign, although I didn't take that to fruition with the Baltimore Orioles and Cleveland Indians. And, and uh, uh, so I went into teaching and I had a, I had an English teacher that ended up being the uh, athletic director at Bowling Green State University. And, and uh, he influenced my life uh, to the point of me wanting to, to teach school, being a coach just like he was. And, and so uh, I became um, uh, a young uh, head basketball coach here in uh, Canton, Ohio, and and uh, Marsha and I got married, and that was one of my aspirations to to be like that coach I had admired so much, and and um, so I took took coaching pretty seriously, and and during this time, uh, our horses just kind of took a back seat, and uh, we sold all of our horses for about a twenty year period. Um, those aspiration of being a head coach and, and having children and then having grandchildren and, and, uh, being a school administrator all came to be. And, and, uh, <clears throat> so I was playing, uh, a lot of golf, Jason. I mean, a lot of golf and playing all over the country. After I retired, there was just something missing. Uh, I happened to be babysitting um, my youngest granddaughter. I was blessed with eight, eight grandchildren and uh, my youngest daughter. Um, somebody might, some ladies on here might cringe when I say this, but she had quadruplets. <laughs> Needless to say, it was a life-changing experience. For but, everybody. Uh, for everybody. You know, now her, her famous saying is one and done. You yeah. know, so, and, and so, uh, anyway, I was babysitting, uh, Emily, my, my youngest granddaughter at that time. And so, uh, Marsha kind of gave me, uh, you know, we, we were out of the horses. I was playing golf, kind of newly retired. And, uh, she gave me a place to go. She said, you know, you can go out to this farm, this Nickajack farms and, and you can kill an afternoon out there with Emily. They have, sheep and geese and llamas and goats and you know what i even think they have some horses out there you can renew your love for the horses and so um going out to this to this farm i introduced myself to the to the owner of the farm and we were there unannounced and she was so gracious so nice and she said uh oh bill with your background with horses she said uh we just we just received two horses in off the racetrack she says, do you think you'd want to work with one? And I said, no. I said, honestly, I'm, I'm really into this golf thing, and I'm playing in a lot of big tournaments now. And, and, and uh, she said, well, she, she almost like scolded me, Jason. She said, well, you're here with your granddaughter. Uh, at least you can down and look at them. <laughs> so she took me down to look at these. One was a gelding, one was a mare. And this one mare um, kind of just – slowly with her head down, walked over to the gate and I could see every bone in her body. And, um, there was no hair on her back. Somebody had turned her out and never brought her in, never did anything much with her. And, and I don't know, out of the clear blue, I just said to the owner of the farm, I said, if I come out here just on my own time, would that be okay? And just fuss around with her. I thought I'd maybe come out there once a week or something, just something to do with my time. And, Needless to say, that mare that walked on over to the to the gate is um, in our barn down here at Whispering Grace Horses. And um, not only did I come out and work with her a little bit, I I don't know. Uh, my life kind of changed at that point. Both Marcia's life and my my life both changed because um, I spent most of my time. Um, my golf game was actually starting to waver a little bit because I'm spending so much time with this horse. 
over about a three-week period. And uh, uh, finally, I said to the owner of the farm, I says, you know what? Uh, could we could we lease this this mare? And and she said, well, yeah. She says, sure, we can we can do that. So I leased her uh, for a week. And after a week, the owner of the farm came up to me and said, Bill, I have some good news and bad news for you. And I said, well, well give me the bad news first. And she said, um, you know what, Bill, since you've been working with, with this mayor, some people have been kind of peeking around the corners and whatever, and now we have two families that want to buy her. And the good news is I'm going to give you an opportunity if you'd like to buy her. <laughs> <laughs> and so I looked down. I had to make an important judgment at that particular time. Of course, I asked somebody that I really respected and knew could give me a good good swing on this whole deal. I asked my five-year-old granddaughter what she thought. That's right. That's going to be sound life advice right there. Yeah. Oh, Papa, I think you should buy her. And and we did. And I bought, and I'm not ashamed to tell anybody this, I bought that thoroughbred mare who, after I bought her, I looked at her papers because at that time they, her papers didn't matter anything to me. But she goes back to, to Justified. Does uh, She's a, a storm cat, and, and so Justified won the Triple Crown, I think, three years now, maybe four years. And so now as a broodmare, I've turned down about 25000 for her. Holy and so, um, But this, this is a horse, and, and you know what? I'll, I'll go on record with all the cowboys that we talk with, Jason. There we go. All the, all the unbelievable clinicians that we talk with. And the lives and and vulnerable parts of our life that we share, I'm going to tell you that this horse uh, changed my life. Um, I don't think of the hundreds of horses both Marsha and I had been around previously, uh, the good ones. Uh, I don't think I'd ever had a had a horse that tried this hard. When when here we are with a with a with a storm cat, which is um, one of the one of the best jockeys in the country visited us. And and he he he's come up with a, a an item that's very popular now. It's called the Equisizer. And it's and it's a it's a mechanism. It, it looks like a big rocking horse is what it looks like. But it's in every jockey's room in the world. And and that's what they warm up on. And so he came out here and these these thoroughbred people, they're they're unique. He looks one look at this mare and he looks at me and he says, Is she a stormcat? No. And kidding. I said, How do you how do you know that? He said, I just have a way of knowing. He says, Let me tell you two things about stormcats. He says, number one, they're fast. And number two, <laughs> they're the hardest horses to race and to ride at the track. And I said, well, I can attest to that. <laughs> she just got done breaking my nose, so um, I could attest to that. But I don't think, Jason, that I'd ever saw seen one that, that actually tried this hard. And, and for once, for once, and, and, and anybody that has horses out there or is similar with, with moving around um, events in your life, we always seem to be uh, in this day and age in a hurry. And you know what? Um, for once, I wasn't in a hurry with this horse, and and uh, I wasn't late going someplace with her. Um, I wasn't getting her ready for a, a horse sale. wasn't getting ready for a fraternity. I wasn't getting ready because a storm was coming in, and I had to get her in the trailer. I wasn't. I wasn't worried about any of this. I just took my time. And this this poor mare, she didn't trust anybody nobody and so the more time we took um the better she got and um after about four months uh i said something to my wife and i remember where i was at i said you know what this horse has changed our life um if she changed our life do you think possibly she could change the life of some other people. So that's how Whispering Grace Horses started because we came from, both of us came from horses and both of us came from education. And so shame on us if we didn't recognize that the world we live in, you know what, we're just not very good 
uh, relationships. Not Marcia and Bill Shear, but as a people. Yeah, human beings as a whole. Just, just as a people, we are not good at it. Not only establishing relationships, but how about keeping them? So we knew that there were families out there that just kind of fell through the cracks and they didn't know what what was happening in their life could be a, a, a very a big situation, whether it be sickness, whether it be a job loss, whether it be a divorce, whatever it may be. But they needed something different in their life that could maybe make a difference. And if this happened to me, to Marsha, you know what? It could possibly happen to somebody else, too. And so we started this thing uh, called Whispering Grace Horses, and it's all about all about the relationship of a human and a horse. And, you know, a lot of these equine, whether you want to call them equine therapy, equine help, whatever you want to call it, are popping up now all over the, the country. But But the most important thing is that hopefully people really, really know what they're doing. Yeah, yeah, um, it's it's a huge hurdle that we face in the industry for several reasons, right? I think a lot of organizations' hearts are in the right place, and maybe it's not supported by the right systems or education. I do think there's a small vein portion of the populace that sees helping veterans and law enforcement and using equine-assisted, whether it be learning or therapy, as a lucrative money grab. Uh, and that can get in the way and dilute the quality of product that's put out. But before we dive too deep into your guys' program, I want to ask Marsha, all those years ago when you sent Bill off to that farm, how strategic was that prompting? Was that just to get Bill out of the house because you needed some room? <laughs> or <laughs> no, or we, no, love, because... we love the horses in days of old and I want that back in my life now? I mean, I know it was strategic, but on what level was it strategic? Oh, you know, God has a wonderful way of timing everything. And if I would have sent him there a year before that, I don't think it would have been the right time. But it just happened that um, I was still teaching at this time. I was teaching kindergarten. And so he was watching our granddaughter who was in kindergarten. So he'd always say, well, what should I do with her today? Yeah. And and I thought, well, you know, Nickajack, it's, it's, it was the time of year. It was the fall, and they always have this big fall fest with pumpkins and all these other things, too. So I thought, oh, it would be a great day for, way for him to just spend the day with Emily and just, you know, have some fun. But when I look, you know, like anything, hindsight, you know, is always so good. Yeah, it's always more clear. <laughs> when I look back on that, I know that God prompted me to send him there because cat was waiting yeah it's incredible yeah. how the good horses will find you the horse that you need will find uh -huh. you and yes to bill's point about everybody rushing and uh patrick sullivan and i have had this conversation a couple times now about traditional training methods right usually mm -hmm. you put your horse into some program that's fixed by an amount of time 30 days 60 mm -hmm. days 90 days and in those time frames there's a certain skill set but what happens when the horse either doesn't learn fast enough or maybe learns too fast. And mm -hmm. we place all these, I'm not going to say unrealistic expectations, but we put the horse and the animal and the training program in a box and they have to conform to this box. And that's kind of the industry standard. And what Patrick does that I think is absolutely exceptional is allowing that horse to drive that training timeline. They go out with a goal and a mission and a purpose and they execute that in the, in the round pen or out on the trail or in the, in the arena but mm -hmm. the horse, the horse's ability to retain and positively, positively affirm that they took the message and learned the message and processed the message is what drives the timeline. And I, I, it's no mistake that he does so well with his horses operating under that, that ideology. Absolutely. And just, I just love the way you brought all of that up because we do that here at Whispering Grace Horses as well, not only with our horses, but with our kids, because think about the educational system that your children go to. They're all put into a box as well. Correct. Correct. And they have till Christmas to get to page 155. And we always tell our kids out here at the farm, 
There is no timeline. You could be learning how to put the halter on for the next three years, and that's okay with us. There's no timeline to learn because everyone is different. And along with the horses, I think of the children all the time and how they constantly are being pushed forward in the educational system. And so we give them that time here at the barn to take that deep breath and not to worry about having to learn by a certain time. And I was going to say, we could probably go down a rabbit hole on expectations in society mm-hmm. from this episode, but uh, I heard a, a podcast recently and they were talking about a Socratic style of learning for children in education mm-hmm. where they get to drive the timeline just as you discussed. And it's profound, the freedom, not only the freedom, but the amount of information retained when a horse or a human being is allowed to process information or process experience on their own timeline. And and mm-hmm. I, this could be a decent segue into Freedom Farms, but we'll get into it in a little bit. The challenges that come with the warrior profession and the level of trauma that's retained as a result or just the weight of the career is often as a result of processing vast amounts of experience in the form of high-stress, high-risk situations and not having the time to metabolize them because you got to press on to the next mission or the next goal or the next call for service. And the horses definitely open up that timeline and allow people to start to revisit some of these experiences and process them at a more appropriate level, which I think has a profound effect on progress and growth versus some forms of, I'm going to say traditional medicine where they just try to medicate problems rather than dig deep and get, get to the root of them and start that transformation. Well, I think you hit the nail right on on the head with that. And, you know, we take it even one step further in what you just described and our kids and so many situations and adults can also really apply to our horses Absolutely. in terms of, of what they've been through and and what they've been pushed to do. And, and, you know, as a couple of clinicians have said along the way, you know, our, our horses can either be a, a prisoner or a partner, one or the other. And it's up to you to decide which they're going to be. And, and for our horses, um, there are parts of it that, well, I, I just can't explain it. And I think that, that any good horseman, any, any great clinician will tell you exactly the same thing. They're, this is just a continual learning process because these horses have shown us so, so much. And, and I have a simple saying, you know, if, if you look at things differently, you will see things different. Absolutely. And, and you know what? It's, it's so true with, with the horses and, and what you say about, about Patrick. Sullivan. He's, he's been here twice and he's given us a couple of clinics and his footmarks hit are all over this place with, with our volunteers and our session leaders, because, you know, he's all about the relationship and Liberty. Liberty is all about the relationship, but it becomes to so many a method you know, it becomes a method of doing things through liberty. But when you can when you can classify liberty being based on the relationship that you have with your horse in terms of how far you want to go with that horse, that that is what I think sets this young man apart. And I think that that his future is so bright in terms of he's coupled not only the knowledge that he's gained through a great clinician and Dan James, but, but also he's learned to do his own thing in his own way. And anybody that knows Patrick Sullivan um, knows that he leads um, from his heart and, and he does things from his heart with his horses. And boy, if I ever had a horse that I, that I wanted to, to, to get some things done with in, in a, in a slow way, uh, I'd, I'd be sending them to Patrick Sullivan. I mean, he saddled a little horse here that we were having trouble saddling. And, and, um, he says, have you ever tried to, to saddle him at Liberty? And I said, uh, well, no, since, uh, he can't stand still when he's tied. <laughs> uh, I never really thought of it, Patrick. Yeah. He says, well, let's try it. And not only did he do that, he did that in front of about 50 people that were here. Yeah. 10 minutes, had him saddled, nothing on him, 
you know, and, and, um, people call that, that horse whisper. It's not horse whispering. It's just understanding. It's listening. And listening. You're right. What's the horse for a change? We're giving him an opportunity to tell us something, you know, and, and not always dictating our rules. Yeah. And, and what Marcia touched on was really, really important because example, we have uh, a young lady that I say young lady now. Uh, she was probably nine when she first came here. And she has probably the best relationship with a horse out here of anybody. And it's with that mare that I told you about early on. Yep. But but this young girl, she can't, still can't tie a rope holder. <laughs> she still can't do it. She cannot do it. And you know, it doesn't matter. Strengths and weaknesses are relative. You know, it just, because we always say it over and over, it's not about the horsemanship out here. It's about the relationship. Yeah. And, and you know, what does it take to have a relationship with a horse? Well, it takes patience, trust, forgiveness. You no, know, I wish I would remember this when I was coaching more what it means to keep trying, you know, what it means to keep trying. And, and, and for some reason, you know, people come to us and they, they have big, strong, powerful problems in their life. Things, this is in some instances, the last resort coming to this horse thing. And what do we do? We put them in front of a huge, big, strong, powerful animal. And what evolves was not anticipated by those people that came. It wasn't in any way anticipated, and that's what makes it even better. Because to see what horses do, um, I I can't I can't explain it to this day. But when you see things with your own eyes, Jason, you got to trust it. And I'm sure that you've seen things that nobody else has seen, and you can explain it better than anybody else because you've seen it. Oh, absolutely. And you know what? That in itself rings nothing but credibility. And 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 so this this whole deal with with the horses, it's developed into something very special, but I think we touched on it a little bit beforehand. It's it's really important that you understand horses a little bit. And and that that you can tell people what just happened and how that horse reacted to their touch, how this horse reacted to you, and that other horse you just saw five minutes ago wouldn't give you the time of day. Correct, correct. And that's why we let all of our horses, they choose who they want to be with out here. When somebody comes out here, we'll go down and we'll, whoever comes here will meet all of our horses and we'll give a little history of each horse and what they've been through and how they've reacted to this transition. And um, it's, it's just amazing to see the interaction. And I think that, that I've said these three statements, and I've shared these uh, in the room. I don't know if you were there, Jason, when I said this, but if our, I always kid, whether it be adults or, or kids, if our horses could talk and they meet you for the first time, what do you think they'd be saying to you? And I always tell them the first thing they'd be saying, "Hey, you think you could? You think you could care about me?" And and if you could maybe agree on that point, the second question the horse might ask is, "If you think you can care about me, okay, you think you can help me? Do you think we could? You think we could help each other?" And then the third one. If you can agree on those first two points, that horse might hesitate a little bit. And the last question they might ask to you is, okay, if you care about me and you think you can help me, can I trust you? Yeah. Now, with those three bases, if you're a, if you're a warrior, if you're a police officer, if you're a fireman, wouldn't you be asking all of those questions to your partners? And isn't that what the questions that we share with, with our Savior, with Jesus Christ? I mean, uh, I just think that, you know, we are, we are faith-based. We 
we take everybody that comes into our, our facility and, and we will tell them of what we believe. So if they come in and have different beliefs, I'll say, well, we differ a lot. Don't expect me, don't expect us, don't expect any of us to back off of what we believe. And I'm not going to put you in a corner to make you believe what I believe. Yeah. Because that comes in time and it has that that methodology. You know, we always say and, and we share this all the time, Jason, you know, when when people are done talking to you and know you're a Christian, they like you or hate you. <laughs> you know, it really doesn't make much difference. But hopefully we can take the next step if they kind of like us. Absolutely. So. Open that door. Open that door. So let's talk more formally about what Whispering Grace Horses has to offer if people wanted to become more involved. Well, as I said, you know, they, a lot of people come to us with some some huge problems. And, and so um, they'll say to me, Bill, you know what? I've tried. I've tried drugs. I've tried therapy. I've tried counseling. I've tried the dog thing. I've tried the cat thing. Now I'm going to try the horse thing. And, and so, um, a lot of people are drawn to us secondly, because, you know, we don't charge anybody for what we do. Um, everybody that comes to our, to our place, either Freedom Farm or Whispering Grace Horses gets to see a, a beautiful barn, a clean barn, gets to see what we consider to be pretty good horses. We get to talk to these people and I know that that it all boils down to relationships. And when people begin to understand that most everybody that that is a part of, of Whispering Grace Horses or Freedom Farm is broken too also, um, you know, it kind of they kind of let down their guard a little bit. And and I think that as we go forward, um, when I think Marcia said it best in one of our interviews a while back, you know, um, we just want to, everybody to leave knowing that we care about them. Correct. And, and I think that, um, when, when, when Marsha gets to talking to people, um, I mean, it's, it's over. It's just over. I, I kind of like to think I'm, I'm okay at this and getting pretty good at it. And, and then the but way some, she talks sometimes you got to bring in the closer. Yes. And and talking about our sessions, let me just tell you that our sessions are about an hour long. Mm -hmm. And what they consist of is um, we always let the kids or the veteran do a chore. Um, We feel that since our our sessions are free, it helps them to own their sessions. So we let them do a chore. Um, We always teach them how to brush and, you know, pick their feet and all that good stuff. And then the last part of the session of the hour is always spent out with the horse learning how to do all of the skills that we'd like them to learn, whether it be putting on the halter, backing the horse, you know, making the horse move, you know, all the things that we want to teach them. But we always have all of our session, we train all our session leaders and our training involves knowing that on any given day, somebody comes out there and, you know, they don't need to learn how to back a horse today. They might need to sit in a stall and just talk. Yeah. Or maybe they need to take a walk around the farm. Or maybe they need to go and, you know, take a, a golf cart ride with you and just, you know, sit on the hill and, and look over the property and talk about what's what's happening in their life. So we always tell our session leaders, you know, let the Lord lead you today for what that child or that veteran needs let the Lord lead you to, to do um, exactly what they, they need for the day because, as Bill mentioned, we want them to want to come back. So you've got to make each day that they come to be the best day ever is yeah. coming up to the farm. And I think where you guys provide a lot of value is we talked a little bit ago about the, the great horseman's ability to listen to the horse. Mm-hmm. You do that with everybody you serve. You listen to them and yeah. their needs rather than bringing people in and trying to jam them through whatever program you've built up or whatever structure that you think is best for them. You actually take a mm-hmm. step back and listen to them and have them give the feedback and have them drive the service that needs to be provided or the plan for the mm-hmm. day or the plan for the session. And when people have the ability to be heard, 
it very much breaks down the walls of resistance. I, I can tell you hundreds, if not, I don't even know, thousands of times in my career where you run a call and, and there's some form of confrontation between parties, whether it be the actual parties were called there to help or between the parties and, and us showing up as law enforcement. And as a young officer, and, and I watch many other young officers do it, you try to impose yourself as law enforcement, right? And it's just such a backward approach. And, and as you gain experience and maturity, oftentimes I would just let people vent. Just get it all off your chest. Whatever you need to say, right, wrong, or indifferent, good, bad, or ugly, just get it off your chest. And I couldn't tell you how many times people would blow that steam the wind is taken completely out of their sails and they're mm -hmm. able to perceive and work through the problem with a far more clear mindset and approach and actually listen to advice being given as far as conflict resolution. So for you guys to give people the opportunity to be heard and then move through progress or move to progress from there is, is where the profound change takes place there at Whispering Grace Horses. Well, I think that that when we kind of categorize things, um, we'll ask people some questions, you know, next to your, next to your faith and next to your health, tell me what's the most important thing in your life. And they'll say relationships. And, and when you stop to, to do some, some real evaluation uh, when we started, you know, talking here to begin with, we talked about we're not very good at relationships. And and um, I think the percentages are as high as 60 percent of all the people that are admitted to an emergency section of a hospital. It boils down to relationships, meaning um, when you talk about drugs, you talk about drinking, which of course is a drug. Then you talk about abuse. Then you get into heart attacks. You get into cancer. We're talking about everything associated with stress. And, and stress usually just doesn't come from yourself. It comes in result, some type of a relationship. And so I just wonder, you know, of the, all the great pharmaceuticals we have, all the great counselors we have, all the great psychiatrists, psychologists we have, how many of their, their days would be lessened if we had better relationships? Yeah, it's interesting. I was reading uh, Paul's book this morning, and Mr. Weaver, if you're listening to this, thank you very much for the copy of that book. And... There's a part in the book that talked about machines don't break from movement. It's the friction. It's friction. Yep. Mm -hmm. And and when when I saw what my own reaction to uh, a horse was this time around, you know, but because before those fraternity horses, those great horses I had, if Bill Shear, I'm embarrassed to say this, even on a podcast. If Bill Shear was having a bad day, chances are my horses had a bad day too. Yeah. And and you know what? That's that's still alive and well in a lot of people's lives. I don't care if it's with horses, whether it's with staff, whether it's with your kids, your wife, whomever it may be. And and uh I think if there's an avenue by which we can seek and find out that it works and of all things it's horses. And a word that we use so often is the word, it's irrational. It just is. You know, when you, when you, when I go to speak, I mean, we're speaking Monday. We're speaking Monday for the fourth year in a row um, at a, at, it's a training facility for our future residents, physicians. And, and um, one of the teaching profs heard us speak. And he said, could you please come and, and speak to my future residents? I says, what do you want me to speak to them about? And he says, well, weren't you just talking about relationships? And I says, well, yeah. And he yeah. says, do you, do you think it's important, he said, that a physician has a relationship with his 
patient? And I said, well, too many times they don't. And he said, well, that's exactly why I'm having you come. <laughs> and, and you know what? Um, anybody that's been placed in that situation, life and death situation, I mean, I'm sure, Jason, I'm speaking out of turn when I say this, but I'm sure that you have been placed personally in situations where what you said to the victim meant everything. Yeah. It meant everything. Yeah. And and maybe on occasion, and you probably have story after story after story in terms of, in some instances, how whether you still stay in touch or somebody got in touch with you, whatever the case may be, um, it gets into relationships. And we thought, my goodness, if, if this is what we can do the rest of our lives to, to make a difference in people's lives, to reopen uh, a door of, of hope that has been slammed shut and not be in a hurry, not be forceful, let the horse do the bulk of the work, I mean, what could be better? You know, Marsh and I always say, um, well, first of all, we get to do it together. Okay. Second of all, we get to renew our love for the horses. And then thirdly, my gosh, we get to share it. We get to share it with thousands of people now. And, and what could be better in terms of, and, and, um, I'll bring a little bit of faith into this whole thing. You know, our, our, our God waited a long time. You know, um, I'll, I'll let this out of the bag. I mean, I, I don't like to share this with very many people, but I'm 77 years old now. <laughs> we, we can edit that out. What number do you want me to put in there? <laughs> yeah, you can edit that out. And, and, and he waited. He waited a long time to put this in our lap. And that's why, you know, when, when, we, when I first met Jason Zwick face-to-face in Texas. Yes, sir. I mean, that's the first time that we that we stepped away from what it is we do because people ask us to go everywhere they said bill come to hilton head with us come you can have my condo in in, in at marco you can go up to my place on the outer banks you can, they don't understand there's no place else here we'd rather be there's just no place else and, and that's when nothing, you know you've hit your stride nothing else we we'd rather be doing and and i hope that you know, the, uh, the, the last quarter of, of my life for sure that, that we can, we can put our head on a pillow at night knowing now that person at least has a chance. Mm-hmm. And we know whether we're talking to a young person that's been in 13, 14, 15 different foster homes, if they finally have a place where they can come out and trust, you know, if, if it's only if it's only a horse where they can trust or they can trust that that person that's with them every time they come out here or every time they come out here, they don't have to slip these treats we give them under their coat or whatever. Um, they just can take them whenever they want them. I mean, we we often get confronted with, Bill, how do you inspire so many people? I said, you, you got it backwards. These are the ones that inspire us to do what it is that we do. And, and I know that, that a minister, a, 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 well, he's not so young anymore. A fellow that I coached in, in high school is now my minister. And, and he'll, he'll tell me that he sits down with people when, when they're getting ready to pass. And he'll ask him one question. What do you, what in life do you wish you would have done more of? And he said, 90% of them say, I wish I would have given more. Yeah. Yeah. And, when we get an opportunity to give to the right situation at the right time, there are so many times now, Jason, where situations we would have walked away from. Yeah. And now, and now, now there are opportunities. There are opportunities for us to make a difference. Yeah, I think back to many chapters of my life where I took my success to be my glory and was completely oblivious and a fool to the fact that those were gifted experiences that were entrusted to me. And now I look back thinking, how dare I was to be so selfish of those opportunities and not share them with others. And that's what's driving a lot of the chapter 
of life that I'm in now is that life has been difficult at times. Great. Everybody has challenges in their life. But God has entrusted me with a certain level of experience to now help others and take those experiences that, I mean, heck, sometimes I ran from them. Take those experiences and now help others to push on with less resistance or stand a little taller in the fight or, you know what, take a few more shots on the chin before you go down because life is difficult, but there's a way to navigate those waters and take on challenges more objectively and see profound success. The difference is the perspective, how you view that challenge or problem. And I want to talk now a little bit about the Whispering Grace side of the organization is very diverse as far as serving youth, male, female, it doesn't matter. But the Freedom Farm side is a recently acquired piece of land. Let's talk about the Freedom Farms program and how people can become involved, where you draw from, and who you exactly serve with that that component of the organization. Well, when when Whispering Grace Horses began to really, really grow, our our board kept asking us, our board of directors, um, well, Bill, can't we have a program for our veterans? And I said, oh, I wish we could. I said, but we just were so packed. I said, at that time, our horses were seeing 40 different people every two weeks at Whispering Grace Horses. Now they see, they see 80 different people every two weeks. And so one of our board members said, well, well isn't the land across the street for sale? And I said, well, it's been for sale at that time. It was for sale for two, two years. I said, they must be asking a hefty price for it. Uh, but right now, we just can't have a program for our veterans. And so um, the next week, boom, that, that property donated to us by one of our board members. And now our board says, well, Bill, now can we have a program for our veterans? Now we have the land. And and when uh, a couple of our veterans, we have pictures, when they heard about this, they went up on the property and they just knelt down and prayed. And and uh, what happened is that it became it just became something uh, we wanted to do for such a long time in that um, uh, when you can when you can make a difference in a veteran's life, somebody that has has given us everything they have uh, and they don't get rewarded for it, uh, that's a veteran. And, and I'll tell you, um, um, we, we named it Freedom Farm for two reasons. Number one, um, those men and women and their families give us the ability to do what we do every single day. And number two, we hoped that, and we guessed correctly, that that we wanted to create a place where, you know, that that man, that woman, that family could come in. They could come in and they could take deep breaths and not worrying about being observed, being evaluated, going through counseling. We believed they just needed a place to come and take deep breaths and then in time share because we've we've used a term you know in our everyday lives now as well as a, as a veteran's life with called PTSD and and we kind of changed it out here from post traumatic stress disorder i don't like to to meet somebody and say that have them tell me they have a disorder so we call it post traumatic stress recovery and we know that so many of these situations we knew from the onset that they can't be forgotten but you know what? We might be able to put them aside for an hour, an hour and a half through whether it be laughing, crying or praying. And we we calculated, we observed our horses and we knew that not only what they were doing at Whispering Grace Horses, they could do at Freedom Farm. They remain they were just remained the centerpiece and and we give a background of, of each horse, what they've been through. And we try to say this in the right way, that all of our horses have been through their own form of post-traumatic stress. 
and they all show us what they've been through, how it's affected them, and what we've done to kind of counteract what what could benefit them. And when it's explained that way to these men and women, they just almost melt. And to think what they come in here, um, Jason, with explaining to us what they have been through and being scared to death of a horse. And when we can put them at ease and they can start understanding that they're going to be safe because nobody can gain any type of self-confidence in whatever they do unless they feel safe. Correct. And so uh, it's just something that, that it, has, it has flourished here. Uh, some men and women have come to us with, with no faith at all, and uh, they're not leaving, but they're part of our organization now with – with a completely different swing on why they're even here. I think that we have been blessed in the terms of where, where we have been placed exactly here in, in where we are right now in terms of a physical location to be able to go from five acres and a small barn, what we thought was going to be to 13 horses and 400 families. And now across the street, create another barn bigger than the one we had before serving over a hundred veterans and their families. And I'll tell you, it's, you know, we try to convince the families that come here that they can't go through these problems that occur in their life alone. You just can't. And to think that you're the only one maybe in this, the city you live in or the community that you live in to think you're the only one that's broken. If anyone tells you that there aren't things going on in their life, they wish wouldn't happen. Then they're lying to you. Yeah. I think that's a huge first hurdle though. Cause it's common in the sense to take that approach that I'm the broken individual or what happened to me brings shame that I have to harbor or I'm exclusive to the, the detriment of circumstance. But to your point, Every single one of us carries some form of weight that A, we didn't want, B, was brought upon us, C, we couldn't change, D, we don't know how to process. That's just part of life. We're not immune to it. Once you start to remove that veil and start to see that others around you have had similar challenging circumstance, it starts to take some of the stigma and shame away, and then you start to open up and realize that, okay, yeah, I'm broken, big deal. The rest of us are too. I've been just as broken as any man. I don't stand here as a pillar of strength or a superior form. I'm an ordinary man out of the book of Acts, as it was described. But I am compelled to help the next man. And that's the approach that, that we should all take. And that's the approach that you guys share there at Whispering Grace and all that you do at Freedom Farm. Well, I, I just hope I don't get in trouble saying what I'm about to say, because I think that what you just described is, is you trying in, in your way to make a difference in somebody's life, whether it be in an individual or within the community. And it's not like some of our, our government agencies for our veterans. Um, I think the reason, uh, I guess maybe that third reason that we wanted to do something for our veterans at Freedom Farm, because we, we believe it's one of, if not the most underserved segment of our population. And we don't need more services for our veterans. We need better. Yeah, you just need to improve the quality of. For, for our veterans. And when they start talking about the vet centers that they go to and, and how, to, how they're, they're being kind of counseled to, to overcome what they're going through by taking a pill, um, to us, we just thought that there was another way. Was it going to take a lot of effort? Yeah, it was. Will we go through a learning curve? Absolutely. Um, but I think that that we know of, and I'm going to get bold when I say this, Jason, I think that we know of we've saved eight lives up here at, at Freedom Farm. Impressive. And, and the men and women have told us in ways in which not only they were thinking about taking their life, but how they were going to do it. And and. It puts a unbelievable 
realistic. You, you pull a curtain away. I mean, you do, because this is life we're talking about. And, and, but to think that we, coupled with a horse, could reopen some hope for somebody. I don't know of anybody in the United States that has a better job than we do in terms of maybe, just maybe, having an ability to do that. It's incredible. God, God's entrusted you with quite a bit, and uh, he's definitely on the move there. Well, I can tell you this. It's, it's, it's something that has, oh, we just take deep breaths, and, and oh, I know that we probably have way, talked way too much, maybe even beyond our limits, Jason, but in, what you'll have to edit out and whatever. But <laughs> um, needless to say, it's, it's something that we – people ask us all the time, where, do, where does faith and business come together? Well, it comes together with a word called humility. Yeah. And, and um, I know that I, I went personally to hear John Maxwell speak one time. He's one of the gurus of, of leadership in, in the world. And he said, you know, Bill, if you can lead from your heart, he says, no matter how bad your vision, your mission is, people will help you. They will help you do what, what your vision and mission may be. He says, if you don't lead from your heart, even though your mission and your vision is tremendous, forget about people following yeah, you. Yeah, that's, that's very, very true. It's just not going to happen. So we've tried to, to keep humility with it and, and, uh, because it's, it's just heartfelt. Needless to say, uh, this has been an honor for us that even you would consider us being on your, your podcast. And uh, I know that, that we have said in some way, some way we're going to make it happen where we get you here and we, we get you talking to not only our veterans, but our first responders and, and, uh, and being able to share some, some realism that surrounds what it is we do and what you've been through in your own life. And Absolutely. I know it influences the lives of some other people. No, I'd be honored to come up and, and share with you guys and help the programs however you see fit. I'm always available for you. We appreciate that very much. Um, and uh, you just uh, um, let us know if there's any way that, that we, can, we can help. Um, not only let freedom reign, but anything to do with the warrior aspect of, of what your mission and, and vision is going to be. And uh, if any way that we can lend a hand, um, please let us know. So very much appreciated. As we wrap up this episode, let's start sharing social media and websites and things of that sort. How can people get a hold of you guys personally? They can, they can get a hold of us. Uh, they can go to www.whisperinggracehorses.com dot org dot org um they can uh email marcia or myself uh bill at whisperinggracehorses.org or marcia m-a-r-c-i-a at whisperinggracehorses.org we have a, a big presence on facebook also on whispering grace horses and uh, um, Marcia's writing down here. We're on Instagram <laughs> that I don't uh, venture out on too much, but uh, Marcia has a presence there, and and so uh, we get to people. We get to talk to people all over the world in that respect. So uh, we have been blessed to be placed in this situation, and so uh, we just appreciate the opportunity to get the word out. No, thank you guys very much for joining us here at Let Freedom Reign Podcast. And as we wrap every episode, we like to share a little bit of life advice or legacy type advice. So I will ask this question to both of you. If you were to if you were to give some sound advice to previous seasons of your life, what advice would you share? Well, I would just something maybe that we touched upon earlier. There will be situations that come in your life that you probably could make a difference, but it would take time and effort on your part. And I know in years past, um, both Marsha and I, more so me than, than anybody else, we've walked away from those situations. Not anymore. Not anymore because they become opportunities. And um, life, we were not created uh, to live life alone. 
We just weren't. And so if, if I can, if I can connect to God and I connect to others, and then I get an opportunity to connect others to God, that's a big deal. And, and that's a simple flat out formula that he gives us to gain eternal life. So that's where I'm going with that. And, and anybody, uh, maybe somebody that would get on this podcast that knows Bill Shear might be saying that that's not the Bill Shear I used mm-hmm. to know. <laughs> and God, God and, works miracles, right, Bill? <laughs> yes, he does. Yes, he he sure does. And, uh, but once again, we, we thank you for that opportunity that anybody would care to share that, that little bit of advice, never walk away from opportunity anymore and, uh, never be ashamed to back down from, from what you believe in. If that is indeed Jesus Christ. Absolutely. Absolutely. Marsha, what would you have to share? I would guess I just would say in, you know, my years of, um, both education and horses, is that no matter what you are going through, God is working through you in your most imperfect details of your life. He will work through you. And if you just can be patient and realize it's his timing, not our timing. So often we get impatient and want to hurry something along. But I'm a real big journaler, so I journal a lot. And when I journal, I can write down prayers that I'm praying for people. And when I can go back in my journal and see the answer to prayers, it just um, makes me realize how present he is each and every day. So that would be my words of advice right now. Well, Bill and Marsha, I cannot thank you enough for setting time aside for us here at Let Freedom Reign Podcast. It's absolutely incredible the opportunities that you steward there at Whispering Grace Horses and Freedom Farm. And if there's anything that we could do in the form of support with Let Freedom Reign Podcast, do not hesitate to reach out and we wish you guys the best. We thank you, Jason. We thank you for the opportunity to be here with you and share with you. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much. Thanks again for joining us here on Let Freedom Reign Podcast. If you are looking to grow in the areas of leadership, self-mastery, and discipleship, please visit day6ranch.com to see all we have to offer in the form of free content, podcasts, and material related to building a legacy-worthy lifestyle.